Destination Draft Day right here on LandryFootball.com and Landry Football Network, of course. Nick Durst and Michael Rockman back at it here, looking at the NFL and college football from the draft perspective. And Michael, on our last show, you said keep an eye on uh, that UAB offense. And the UAB Blazers absolutely destroyed Southern Alabama Jaguars last night. I don't know how much of that game you watched, but that was a blowout. And there was also another game in, in Florida, of course, and that was the battle of two, two Florida AFC teams and the Dolphins and the Jaguars. Dolphins come away with the big win, 31-13. And, and what can you say? Fitzpatrick was Fitzmagic once again. Uh, this is He's the first player in NFL history to beat the same team six times with being on six different teams. That is absolutely incredible. So Fitzpatrick gets his sixth career win uh, against the Jaguars, but this is the first time as Dolphin. Of course, he did it with the Jets, the Texans, the Bengals, uh, the Bills, and I think the Titans. Are, and it's just it's just wild. Fitzpatrick lives lives another day. Yeah, and you know, it wasn't the best outing for Gardner Minshew, but I think up to this point, he has proved himself to be the quarterback. I think a lot of people kind of by default we're assuming the Jaguars would be pretty low in the standings and often number one pick and really looked at the idea of, you know, Trevor Lawrence would have to step in. If they do end up in a low enough pick to where they're getting a Trevor Lawrence, then it's possible that they would move on from Gardner Minshew. But I think for the time being, it's time for all draft people to respect that Gardner Minshew is most likely going to be the starter going forward for Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, Maybe stop mocking QBs to the Jaguars. Minshew mania is a real thing. And obviously, if they have the number one pick, I don't think they're going to. They'll take Lawrence. But you got to ask yourself, Michael, how much of an upgrade for next year would a Justin Fields be over a year three Gardner Minshew? It's a matter of how quickly do the Jaguars want to win. Yeah, and I believe that both those guys have a lot of potential, but at the same time, I think you're also looking at the fact that that if you don't pick Justin Fields, then you can spend that pick on a great, talented, you know, defensive lineman, maybe another cornerback to pair on the outside with CJ Henderson. Maybe you add in a great safety or great offensive line protection for your quarterback. So the overall benefit of having a QB already in place, I think is just something that the Jaguars shouldn't overlook. And I don't think they were planning on it. You have to realize that if this guy was a first-round pick back when he was drafted, then everyone would be saying he's just phenomenal. But because he was a sixth-round pick, I think people have had their doubts. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, even with some of the struggles, he's proven that he's most likely here to stay. Yeah, I I like that I was seeing out of him, of course – Everyone always raises a red flag when you're coming out of that Washington State offense with Mike Leach because it really is just unbelievable. I mean – Dating back to the Texas Tech days, remember their big game with Crabtree beating Texas Longhorns to become number one team in the country. Leach's offense is always kind of scare NFL coaches, I would think, Michael. Yeah, and, you know, I was a big fan back in the day watching Graham Harrell throw to Michael Crabtree, take advantage of, you know, this monstrous offense to split the Big 12. I remember it was one loss for Oklahoma, one loss for Texas, one loss Texas Tech, and there was pandemonium in college football about who should be 
this big 12 champion because they didn't have a conference championship game. And it, it was just absolute chaos. And the fact that Mike Leach has had such an illustrious career goes to show you how great of an offensive mind that he is. But at the same time, you know, there's reasonable questions about quarterbacks who come out of this system. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and of course, Washington state Pac 12 team, He's no longer there anymore. He's, a, he's, he's moved on. But, of course, the big news is Pac-12 is back, Michael. A lot of – a seven-game conference-only season. I think that pretty much is going to exclude them from a college football championship because I don't think anyone's going to – they're not going to put them in with only seven games. Uh, and unless it's a scenario where somebody's undefeated in the Pac-12 and every other conference has a one- or two-loss team as a champion – I don't see how anybody from the Pac-12 is going to be getting in to the college football playoff. Yeah, and you hate to see it in a sense because there are teams like Oregon that offer a lot of talent with such a great offensive line in Penny Sewell and you have C.J. Verdell that you're relying on in the run game. And then you have guys on the defensive side of things like Kayvon Thibodeau that are elite prospects whenever their year comes and a very talented secondary. So you want to see these teams have every opportunity to make playoffs, but at the same time, you understand why they're probably going to be taking a backseat to the rest of the power conferences when it comes to playoff seating. And as you said, if if there were a lot of uh, two-loss champions or just every conference had a one-loss champion and there's a 7-0 Oregon or USC or something like that, then there's a possibility. But at the moment, it seems as though the Pac-12 is likely just going to be sticking to their in-conference play, and maybe if there is a Rose Bowl, they could be playing in that. Leviathan102 says, Pac-12 is back. Let's go. Uh, I know a lot of people like Pac-12 after dark on the East Coast, watching those games wrapping up at 1.30 in the morning. I'm sure you are one of those insane fans who are watching those games. But, you know, a lot of the other news with Pac-12 come back is that now there's some players looking to opt back in. Yeah, and we already have seen it with a few players, such as Rondale Moore, who are opting back in, deciding, you know, I want to play college football this year. And whether it's because they, you know, thought that the season would be canceled and now are just coming back because it's not, or whether it's just a change of heart, I think the NCAA should be lenient about it as long as they haven't hired an agent. I think it's perfectly fine and there shouldn't be any questions at all. The fact is, college football, you should want the best product out there. So when these star players are wanting to come back and haven't done anything to break the rules in terms of NCAA guidelines, I think it's perfectly reasonable to just say, okay, you're back, that's fine. And as long as teams are fine with it, then the NCAA should be as well. Yeah, I think I think it always is murkled by the whole agent thing, and a lot of times they're trying, as of late, they're trying to change that rule. But if someone opted out out of fear, and now their team hasn't even played yet, and they want to come back in, I'm okay with that. I don't see why that's you know such a major issue. Uh, it's not like a Reggie Bush situation where <laughs> he's getting paid or whatnot. We have a have a comment here from Brustman27. I feel like Gardner Minshew is very underrated. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. That's um, you know Michael was saying at the top here. Uh, I think 
Minshew is great. He he plays with so much confidence. He isn't afraid to throw the, the deep ball or throw out tight windows. He's got a little bit of that Brett Favre in him. And Brestman looks to agree here. Play, plays with so much confidence, not afraid to throw the deep ball or throw into tight windows. Uh, going back to last year, where did he kind of rank on your, your, your QB rankings in, for the draft? Uh, are you talking about 2020 or 2019? 2019. So for 2019, I feel like there's been a bit of variance in the overall rankings. I'd say number one for sure is Kyler Murray. I think he's outstanding so far and has proven to keep that number one spot. Uh, pretty much consensus was he was number one from the beginning. And then after that, it starts to get a little murky. There's guys like Haskins who I think are talented but haven't had a great opportunity with the supporting cast there. The offensive line is not the greatest. And there's other QBs who have kind of performed well, but at the same time, there's still questions, whether it's guys like Drew Locke, guys like Gardner Minshew, and guys like Daniel Jones. They've had their moments where they definitely proved themselves to have talent, but at the same time, they have these issues that come along with it. I think Minshew and Locke are probably better than Jones, but at the same time, Jones probably offers more upside at the moment. Yeah, and of course, Drew Locke, with a pretty nasty injury last week. Um, that's going to set them back. But, hey, Jeff Driscoll came in, Michael, and he showed why so many people of Florida thought he was going to be the next Tim Tebow. Yeah, and can't say that I'm confident in the Driscoll-led Broncos for any of the pickums that I'm in. For, you think they're going they um, to turn it, turn it to, to the backup, Blake Vortles? We'll see. I don't know. You know, Blake is obviously – Elite quarterback, never before seen talent, but it's, it's going to be interesting. I think they're going to try to hold off on bringing in Bortles just because any QB in an offense that he doesn't really know is going to struggle, but we'll see. Hopefully Driscoll can hold down the hold down the fort. No doubt about it. All right, back, back to the Pac-12, though. What are, you, what are you most looking forward to here now that they're going to start the season? And is there anybody – in particular, or any team in particular, you're really intrigued by this shortened season? And is there a team that benefits by only playing seven games as opposed to having a lot of those outer conference games and probably around a 10 to 12 game schedule usually? Well, I think one of the teams that I'm most looking forward to has to be USC because I think there's so much young talent on the squad that would really keep me kind of guessing all season Graham Harrell runs this offense and we see a lot of similar concepts to the old Texas tech days where they're really passing heavy and they're trying to make sure that we see, you know, this great array of wide receivers that they have and bringing up the past that we've done uh, top positions of the PAC 12, as you can see, Oregon is clearly going to be plenty talented there are so many great guys on this defense. There's been some opt-outs that I'm not sure if these guys are returning or not. So there's questions about the secondary. A lot of these guys have decided to step away and prepare for the NFL draft. But if Oregon can get these guys to opt back back in and get this full squad going, I think they're as talented as anybody as long as the quarterback plays there. And I understand that's the question mark for a lot of teams is – you know, we've seen it for LSU for so many years. It's just a great squad with no quarterback play. And now we're kind of looking at that for Oregon and saying if they have a QB who can step up 
and fill the position, then I think they're they're going to be very scary and you know potentially worthy of a playoff team on talent alone. Yeah, you definitely got got to watch out for the Ducks. What do you think about Chip Kelly this year? Uh, he's got the shortened season. There's a lot of pressure on him coming off an unsuccessful year last year. Yeah, and as I had on that list, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is one of those QBs that has more talent than most people give him credit for. He's very purely talented, but I think it's a lot of raw talent at the same time. At the same time, he offers great mobility, great arm strength, and some pretty good accuracy. It's just the fact that he needs to work on processing defenses better, being a little bit more disciplined in his actions, getting quicker reads out instead of trying to make these extended plays. Then he tries to throw up a ball that's kind of like playground football. And if he can really make that next step, this could be a guy that we talk about as a first-round pick. And I really mean that. And, yeah, there's always going to be questions until we really see it come together on film. And you could say that for a lot of QBs that, oh, well, if they put together this great season – then they're going to be a first-round pick most likely. But for Dorian Thompson-Robinson, if this guy puts together a great season, it's not just a great season. It's great tools and great ability that a lot of QBs can't even offer you. So while there's understandably some doubts about his game at the moment, he is definitely someone to keep an eye on for this upcoming season. So certainly keep an eye on him there because it's always interesting to see what's going to happen in a chip in a chip kelly offense and for a look at the game of football from a coaching scouting administrative perspective go to landryfootball.com today from high school college to the nfl from recruiting to the nfl draft to free agency from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the inside scoop on players teams coaches and schemes landryfootball.com is your source for all things football thank you for joining and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry football's conference call, wherever you get your podcast. All right, Michael, we're going into a big weekend here with college football. And that means the SEC is back and there's going to be some big action in the SEC this weekend. There's also going to be action really all over all over the country other than the Pac-12 and the Big Ten areas. But there are some key games here that I think we need to, to take a look at. Uh, Brian from Bonus Seekers, unable to join us this week, but he still has some games for us that he wants us to keep an eye on. And Michael, of course, has some big-time players to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, and – We'll jump right into it for the very first game that I believe is one to watch. It's Louisville versus Pittsburgh, 12 o'clock on Saturday. Both of these programs have something to prove here. Pittsburgh 2-0, Louisville 1-1. After coming off of a loss to Miami, it is huge for Louisville to bounce back. And for Pittsburgh, they're just trying to keep it moving, trying to continue to establish themselves and potentially position themselves to have a great year in the ACC. For the preview, Nick, go ahead. Yeah, and you know, Brian says Oklahoma State's offense is supposed to be a fearsome group, but last week had them looking vulnerable, barely holding on to beat Tulsa at home. 
but we are going to use the fact that they didn't look all that great to our advantage because this line may be lower than it otherwise would be. West Virginia got an easy win, but played an FCS school, so which doesn't doesn't really equate adequately to prepare you for walking into Stillwater to play the Cowboys. This line lowered from eight and a half to six and a half, leading many to many of the professionals to hop aboard the OK State train at minus six and a half. They're doing the same at Bonus Seeker. Next game up, Michael, Louisville, and Pittsburgh. An old classic Big East battle. No longer Big East out of the ACC now. Well, let's jump back to West Virginia, Oklahoma State first. So players to watch for this game, I believe Darius Stills is a great weapon on the defensive line. A lot of questions have come out this offseason just about his size and whether he can really truly contribute as a pass rusher at the NFL level. This is where you prove it. It's these games right away. You try to make an impact. Darius Stills is a dominant defensive lineman at the college football level. If he can continue to grow, then that'll be phenomenal for his stock and it'll really put questions to bed. And I think he will contribute right away. It's just whether or not he can really prove himself as a prospect for Oklahoma state, big fan of Spencer Sanders, but he is most likely going to be nursing an injury. I believe he'll play, but they're going to be relying on their other star players on the offense. Chuba Hubbard is a great running back that I think will be key to the Oklahoma state offensive success this weekend. And Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver for Oklahoma state is huge for Oklahoma state as well. Spencer Sanders will be sure to get the ball to him, whether it's in the short game or deep game. Look for Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, and Darius Stills for this game this weekend between Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Yeah, and uh, I think both of us are very high on Gundy and his offense at Oklahoma State. Obviously, he was great with Brandon Whedon and Mason Rudolph, and this could be a year where Oklahoma State is at least competing for, uh, for a conference championship, I think, Michael. Yeah, as long as Spencer Sanders meets expectations, Oklahoma State's as good as anyone. And Oklahoma looks to be very talented this year, so the Big 12 is not going to be easy to take. Texas has really kind of built themselves up to be in for a big season with Sam Ellinger in his final year. So there's definitely contenders all around. Oklahoma State has their work cut out for them, and it starts honestly here against West Virginia, who's not a bad squad themselves. No doubt about it. I was... uh... Got all over the place there with my notes from Brian, but back up to Louisville and Pittsburgh here. Uh, there seems to be a real reason to be concerned with Louisville's defense and whether it can stop anyone. Uh, Louisville always known for being an offensive school, looking back at the Lamar Jackson days. With that said, Pitt is not Miami. Defensively, Pitt is decent. Louisville will need Mikel Cunningham to come up big once again at 32 for 300 yards and three scores against Miami. In the end, Brian thinks it's going to be a close game, and for that reason, he's taking Louisville plus three with a free field goal. The over is also 7-0, 7-0 in Louisville's last seven games. But, you know, he mentions Mikhail Cunningham, and, of course, you have him on your list here as a player to watch. Yeah, I think Mikhail Cunningham is a very talented QB. There are some issues in his game. He missed some throws last week against Miami, but overall put together a very talented performance. I think – one of the more notable names on this list is Tutu Atwell. For a lot of the offseason, I kind of thought to myself, I'm not sure if I really trust this guy to be a prospect that is legit because his size 
is concerning for most people that are scouting. He's undersized, weighs about 165 pounds, but he has continued week in, week out to produce. And I think it's time to really respect him as a prospect, really respect him as potentially a mid-round prospect. And, you know, he will continue to have a great performance against Pittsburgh and probably every week after that. Keep an eye on Atwell and Cunningham. They're a dynamic duo in college football, and they're in for another great game against Pittsburgh. And as you talked about, Pittsburgh is a great defensive squad. Pat Narduzzi has really established that here. My favorite guy on this defense is Paris Ford, safety for the unit. There's great guys all around, whether it's Patrick Jones on the defensive line, Jalen Twyman on the defensive line. But Paris Ford is someone that I think just pops off the screen. He's very fast very physical, and yet he does a great job both as a tackler and in coverage. I believe with another great game and a overall great season, we're going to see Paris Ford fly up draft boards, and he's already gotten off to a great start. If he continues it, he's in for a very nice bump in his stock. All right, there you have it with that game, 12 o'clock kickoff, and now the game that a lot of people are going to be having their eyes on a 3.30 p.m. kickoff. The defending champs, LSU Tigers, taking on Mississippi State. Big thing here is that LSU, we don't know how they're going to do. They lost so many offensive starters. And this is such a fun matchup and one between two interesting coaches in Ed Ergeron and Mike Leach, who we mentioned before. Both of these teams should be really good, especially on offense. But one thing that may help LSU here is the fact that defensive coordinator Bo Pelini is familiar with Leach's offense. And Brian is not sold on Mississippi State being the best version of itself just yet. Not sure if LSU can cover the 17 points, but it is definitely Tigers or bust for Brian. Although he does imagine an over of 57 will be in play. I think this is me personally. I think this is going to be probably a pretty high scoring game here, especially with Mike Leach involved. And I think LSU is going to win, but I would not be super shocked if Mississippi state is able to come away with victory here in Mike Leach's first game with the team. Yeah. I think the over is definitely a safe bet. If Mississippi state happens to get shut down, I believe this LSU offense is going to roll to save those over points for players to watch. Kylan Hill of Mississippi State, and he is entering a interesting situation. We have seen Mike Leach kind of abandon the run game at times for his running back. So Kylan Hill now must prove himself as a receiver. I think he's already kind of proved himself as a running back. So the question marks about that aren't going to be there as much. But now we're going to see how dynamic he can be, how much of a contributor to this offense he can be as a receiving weapon. He returned to school after potentially having enough of a draft stock to enter last year, Kylan Hill is going to be huge for Mississippi State's success. And if I'm Mike Leach, I'm going to change my ways a little bit and make sure I'm getting the ball in this guy's hands, both as a runner and as a receiver, because Kylan Hill is a star. On the LSU side of things, I can name so many players, but the two that I'm focusing on are Jabril, Jabril Cox, the linebacker, transferred from North Dakota State, and Jacoby Stevens, the safety for the squad. Both of these guys are going to be leaders for this defense and huge for the overall success of the team. On offense, there are guys 
that are potentially going to be in for a very good year, whether it is Miles Brennan is a question mark. You know, this guy could potentially be another great quarterback for the squad or guys like Chris Curry in the run game, who I think are very special and could potentially put up some big numbers. So if you're watching Mississippi State and LSU, I only have three guys listed right here, but there are going to be prospects all over the field to keep an eye on. Just keep your eyes open and enjoy the game because it is going to be fun to watch regardless of the scoreboard, which I think will heavily lean in favor of LSU. Leviathan, big Kylan Hill fan. He's fun, man. He definitely has some holes to his game, but his potential is through the roof. Michael, any noticeable holes you see in Hill's game? I mean, there's definitely some holes in terms of his overall production, but I believe that with these upside running backs, we've seen a lot of NFL teams just really take advantage. So while there may be some question marks surrounding some of his abilities, I think we're still going to see him have massive success at the next level. All right. Now, speaking of the next level, Michael, there are some NFL teams that this week is just a must win for them. Unless, of course, they are trying to tank and maybe it's a let's continue losing. But uh, it's it's going to be a crazy weekend in the NFL. And uh, it started last it started last night with the with the Jaguars and Dolphins, as we mentioned at the top. But if I'm looking at a team that has a must win, <laughs> you have to go with the Jets taking on the Colts. I mean, there is just no doubt about it. In my mind, the Jets are so desperate right now for when they, to me, look like the worst team in the NFL. I I don't see how, you know, right now I don't I don't see how they're gonna get any better in this season. But the Colts are eleven and a half point favorites, and we saw the Colts did against the Vikings last week. They looked very impressive. That's the first game that I'm keeping an eye on, Michael. What are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, I believe the Jets are definitely in some must-win territory. If you're Adam Gase, the upcoming schedule is huge for your squad, and if you struggle in this, then I think it's time for the Jets to pull the plug early on this Adam Gase run for the season and really just start to establish your next-year mentality. You have Colts this week, Broncos next week, Cardinals, which is probably a lot tougher than anything else, and then you're at the Chargers for that next week. So those are three winnable games out of the next four. And I believe that if Adam Gase wants to keep his job, you got to at least win two. And while they're probably underdogs in all those matchups, I think it is very, very crucial for this squad to get an early win here against the Colts and really start to get some momentum building on for the rest of the year. Another yeah, must I think, win. Oh, I sorry, think just ahead. on the Jets there – you know, if they end up going like two and start off like two and twelve or something, uh, I think they're gonna there's gonna be some serious consideration about moving on from Sam Darnold, and it's it's tough for him because obviously there's no talent around him, but you know he he turns the ball over too, so it's 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 he's got to take some responsibility there. They can't Jets can't fans can't continue to just blame Adam Gaze. They need to it's, – It's as a whole, the Jets are just – they've just been pathetic so far. I mean, they got absolutely destroyed by the 49ers who everybody was getting hurt. Bosa got hurt. Garoppolo got hurt. And yet they still were barely able to do anything. 
and they just did not look good. So I'm sure if they go on three, it's going to be the big news will be, oh, they need to fire Adam Gaze. And that's it's, it's a tough spot for Adam Gaze considering the roster he has. Yeah, and at the same time, if they have that number one pick or an early pick even, the question becomes, are we banking on Sam Darnold to pan out or are we going to just really – take the easier risk at a QB where we're now going to get five years of a guy that we also love. And Trevor Lawrence makes that debate a lot easier, but even guys like Justin Fields and Trey Lance are viable options for the squad. If they do have questions about Sam Darnold and love one of these other prospects, they could very easily quarterback. For me, the must wins of the week, two squads that I think had a lot of playoff hope, and now are sitting at 0-2 in the standings. The Philadelphia Eagles playing the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they are the better team for this week. Both squads sitting at 0-2. The Eagles, though, are in much bigger need of coming out with a victory. Carson Wentz has struggled to meet expectations for the season, and the offense overall has just been falling apart around him. There are questions all throughout this defense. The Eagles were talked about to potentially win the NFC East. And now we're watching them fall to 0-2. If they lose another game to the Bengals, who are currently in a rebuilding state, then there's got to be some real questions about <laughs> Philadelphia and the Eagles. Yeah, I, I like Joe Burrow and the Bengals in this game. And I think it's just great how last week the Eagles lost and Carson Wentz got booed off the field by the fake crowd noise. I mean, that is... That's is that Philadelphia or what? I mean, that's just insane. That is wild. Uh, so I guess I guess the question is, Michael, you think we're going to be seeing Jalen Hurts at all this season? I don't think we're going to see Jalen Hurts. I think it's best for Hurts and for the Eagles if they hold off on using them. I believe Wentz is still your viable QB of the future. It's just really trying to figure out what you can do about, you know putting together an offense that's really a lot more competent. I think Wentz has gotten a little gun shy because he's dealing with so much pressure and he's just having a lot of issues at the receiving end. It's, it's really just poor management by Howie Roseman, who was once thought to be one of the best GMs in the league. Now you're kind of looking at the squad and you're questioning how he built this roster. There's not really a, great position on this team outside of maybe the offensive line when healthy for the Eagles. And now we're looking at, you know, the defensive line is aging heavily. The linebacker core was never invested in. The secondary is a little old as well. Slay is all right, but is very expensive. So it's most likely only a one-year option for this team. And then you look at the offensive side with weapons. The tight end group is great. And Wentz hopefully has potential. Miles Sanders seems to be good. But when you don't have an offensive line that's healthy and your receiving core is as bad as it is, the Eagles are sitting there just twiddling their thumbs, falling in the standings. No no doubt about it there. It's a must-win game. All right. A must-win game here. This is a no-brainer. The next one for me. The Giants taking on the 49ers. Giants somehow almost had the chance to beat the Bears at the end of the game. Uh, Daniel Jones has been putrid this season. He's leading the league in turnovers. Uh, 
I don't know what I don't know what he's doing at, at certain points with his, his decision making. Saquon Barkley out for the year, huge loss. Although with the offensive line, he could barely muster any offense anyway. Uh, they signed Devontae Freeman. He's going to play running back with Deion Lewis now. I'm sure Wayne Gallman will be active. He was inactive last week. Sterling Shepard's on the injured reserve with turf toe. So you got Golden Tate. Evan Ingram, I feel like we're talking about him every week, Michael. This guy's got talent. He can't catch the ball. He can't block. It's not good to watch. Uh, the 49ers, they might have Nick Mullins going at QB. He's actually pretty good. And, of course, Bose is out. So this is a game they really need to win because after this, it just the schedule gets a lot harder. Um, and they, they, they can't go into this game thinking – if Joe George can't have his team going into this game thinking, oh, the 49ers are banged up, so we don't have to play our hardest and we can win this game. Because this is this is just a pivotal game right now for the Giants because they 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 have the event, they have the, the chance to beat the 49ers here. And they need to take advantage of that because after this, like I said, the schedule gets a lot harder. You got the Rams up next who are a good team. Then you got the Cowboys who have owned the Giants as of late followed by the Washington football team, who they seem better than than, than they've been in the past. So, you know, the, the last thing they want to do is start off 0-6, uh, of course. And so this is, this is a big game here for, for Joe Judge and really for Daniel Jones. He needs, to, he needs to take leadership here, carry the offense without Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I think this is huge for Daniel Jones. Now losing Barkley, the offense really falls on him to be successful. Devonta Freeman, Deion Lewis are going to be pieces of this offense, but it's really going to depend on if Daniel Jones can right the ship and really lead this team to a victory. It's not going to be easy. The 49ers defense is still very talented. The offense is still going to get moving with the run game. Be dependent in that regard. However, it is really no excuse for Daniel Jones as he needs to have a big game to really silence doubters, silence the questions about him and hopefully get the giants a victory this week. Yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, Another game that's a must win Houston Texans. Y'all want to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Texans are 0 two not working out so well with Bill O'Brien being the GM and trading DeAndre Hopkins. The thing is, I guess people just forgot that the Steelers defense is probably the best in the league. Big Ben's back. The offense looks good. I don't know. I don't know how the, the Texans are going to really be able to hang with the Steelers in this game, but they got the Sean Watson. So I guess they always have a fighter's chance, Michael. Yeah. When you have Deshaun Watson, anything is possible. And Houston now 0-2 really needs to take advantage of any opportunities the Steelers are willing to give them this weekend. They have some solid wide receivers on the squad. They have David Johnson, who can be a great receiving threat as well. They have to really spread out their attack, make sure they aren't relying on anyone too consistently, and try to find ways to poke away at the Steelers' defense. If you're the Texans and you fall to 0-3, the pitchforks are coming out for Bill O'Brien from Houston fans as they watch DeAndre Hopkins put up about two. There are definitely people ready for Bill O'Brien to be gone. If you fall to 0-3, those crowds are going to Houston has the talent, so it's not an excuse of that. They need to really play what their potential is because the fact is, 
Texans aren't just trying to be a team that can win some games. They're trying to be a contender. And that is what right. their fans believe is capable. And that is what anyone on this roster should really think is that we have the talent to potentially get out there. And if we win the right games, we can win the Super Bowl. You have to prove yourself in the regular season that you can actually do that. And while Pittsburgh isn't the same level of contender as the teams you lost to in Kansas City and Baltimore, they're still a very good team. So if you can come out and have a great day against them, prove yourself and really win that game comfortably, I think you can really prove to yourself and to those around you that, hey, we're not going away. We're still the Houston Texans. We're still the Sean Watson's team, and we still got hope. Another yeah, no doubt, game that no I believe, about it. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, just gonna, I was just going to say, I totally agree. Uh, this is this is just Bill O'Brien. If, if they don't make the playoffs this year, the end could be oh, coming done, for him. In tech, for sure. Houston. I, I thought they should have got rid of him a few years ago, just based on his coaching. And so they made him the, the president GM. So you know, it doesn't always work out. It only works out Belichick having full control. So uh, they they have to. They I mean, really tough schedule to start. But this is a game they really need to win. Hundred percent. And another game that I think is crucial out there is Minnesota facing the Tennessee Titans. You look at how Minnesota has played these past two weeks, and there's just questions all throughout. Their defense struggled against Green Bay, and then on offense, they just looked horrible against Indianapolis. Indianapolis was their game to win. They should have definitely taken that. And now. They are looking at potentially falling to 0-3 if they lose to Tennessee. You need to find a way to slow down Derrick Henry first and foremost, but then at the same time you have to slow down Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith, and just Ryan Tannehill. And it's going to be tough for the defense. And then at the same time, this Titans defense is very underrated when it comes to their performance. So you have to find a way to get going against that squad where Kirk Cousins struggled against Indianapolis's defense, which has a good front seven, but their secondary isn't there compared to what the Titans offer. So if you're Minnesota, you've really put yourself in a hole. And if you fall to 0-3, not only are you most likely falling out of the playoff picture and any playoff predictions going forward, you're also putting yourself on the hot seat if you're Mike Zimmer. Even after making playoffs last year, there were rumors that they would potentially look to move on. And I believe that if they were to miss playoffs this year, it would definitely be a question of whether Mike Zimmer is here to stay or not. You look at Kirk Cousins as well. If they were to have a bad season, I don't think they can move on this offseason. But I think we could see a situation like Kansas City where you start to bring in that quarterback to sit for a year, let Kirk Cousins play out his final year with the squad, and then let him go after that. So a lot of guys are going to be playing for their jobs sooner rather than later. And I think if you're Minnesota, you need to take advantage now before it becomes late season and you're playing for it. Well, the organization did Zimmer and Kirk Cousins no favor by trading Stefan Diggs, who's been very good with the Bills so far. And it, they're obviously missing him, uh, no doubt about it. I thought the Vikings are still going to be a playoff team this year. Like you said, if it gets to 0-3 start, it's tough because the Bears, I said before the season, I think they're going to be a playoff team. They're looking good so far. The Packers, to me, are the best team in the NFC. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been incredible so far this year, and I think they're going to continue to just put up a lot of points, and the defense looks pretty good too. Uh, but, yeah, the Vikings, of course, they got to win this game. Um, and not to just continue doing the 0-2 teams, but 
the Falcons really need to win this week. I mean, absolutely pathetic against the Cowboys to blow the lead they did. And they're playing a tough Bears team with a really good defense. I mean, the Falcons, we know, have a good offense, but <laughs> their defense is obviously putrid, Michael. And you as a Patriots fan know just no firsthand just how poor the Falcons are at keeping a lead. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate them forever for blowing that lead, but at the same time, I, I do kind of hope that they succeed otherwise when they're not playing the Patriots. So, uh, yeah, big win would be this weekend if they can take down the Bears. And some notable, by the way, about the past two teams that we talked about, Minnesota and Houston, both 0-2 right now, both said that both teams that we said need to win this week, they play each other the next week. So if they're both 0-3 oh, entering that battle. I don't know. One of these teams is going to go to 0-4, and, and that is just crazy to me because I did not predict that. Right. But going back to Atlanta, this offense is fully there, and it's just trying to get this defense. And it's such a weird situation that you have guys like Dan Quinn who are running this defense and came in as a defensive coach, and now you're just kind of seeing this great offensive system where Matt Ryan is putting up so many points, producing so well. You have Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, now Hayden Hurst at tight end, Todd Gurley at running back. And you're scoring, but you're just not scoring enough. And the secondary is young, but at the same time, there just is too many holes in this defense. And now you're just kind of looking at, can we really just have shootouts every week? We got to find a way to really produce on defense. And I think it falls on Dan Quinn. What are you going to do to adjust this team to get them to produce on defense and really win this game. Yeah, that's it, it's going to be crucial. I, I think Quinn, if, if they don't make the playoffs this year, he's probably he's probably done uh, because it's just, it's just they keep choking. It's it's a real shame. Now the next game that I think is a must win. You might be surprised by this, but I think the Patriots have to beat the Raiders this week because next week they got the Chiefs, and if they fall to one and three, that might be enough to let the Bills go ahead and control that division moving forward. So Cam Newton looked pretty good on Sunday Night Football, um, except for the last play against the Seahawks. I thought they should have maybe did like a little run pass option there at the goal line um, just to kind of get the read or play action at least. But for Newton to just take that and just totally get stopped there at the end, uh, tough to see. But, you know, it's been, it's been a new look. Patriots offense, which I think will keep getting better each week, but I think they really need to, to win this game, especially with the, the fact they got to play the Chiefs next week. Yeah, and the Patriots have, you know, whether you didn't expect them to do well or you kind of thought that they weren't going to be as successful a team, they've really met expectations to this point. But both these squads, Patriots and Raiders, have succeeded in surpassing expectations so far that have been set on them. So now it just comes down to really managing your record. The Raiders can afford a loss. They're 2-0, you know. They can relax. Hopefully they aren't going to go 0-0. John Grudem's got, got, got them playing well, and Jacob yeah. has looked like the best running back in the league right now. Yeah, the Raiders aren't going to give this game easily, but if you're the Patriots, definitely want to try to get a victory in. You're not planning on losing to the Chiefs, but you got to really come in here hoping to win this game because, you know, there's still some holes on this offense. The the passing game still has some question marks. Overall, 
rookie receivers all around. So it's never going to reach their full stealing until we see them with some experience and Derek Carr really throwing the ball with full confidence. The offensive line is very talented. Josh Jacobs is very good. And the Patriots run D is probably one of the biggest question marks that they've had so far. But after last week, I think the secondary has to be called out a little bit by the Patriots staff. Gilmore was giving up passes left and right to DK Metcalf, who I understand is a beast and almost impossible to guard with his overall size and athleticism. But when you have weapons in your secondary, almost as Gilmore, JC Jackson, Jason McCourty, Devin McCourty, and, you know, athletes like Kyle Duggar who can fly around the field, you got to really take advantage and you have to learn, like you have to grow and make stops on defense. And they didn't do a very good job of that against Seattle. So now I think this is a little bit of a bounce back game, a little bit of a uh, chip on the shoulder heading into Oakland or Las Vegas, sorry. And now it becomes a big moment for both these teams to really prove themselves. Absolutely. And the other game, which, I mean, sure, it's a must win. I don't know if they have any really expectations this year for the playoffs, but that's the Lions taking on the Cardinals. Cardinals definitely looking like they're headed to the playoffs. Lions 0-2. Uh, New Year, same story. And, of course, you want to win this game because it's only a matter of time before Matthew Stafford gets injured. They got the Saints next week. And, I, I mean, I, I never, I didn't think they were going to contend. I said on your, when you did your mock draft, I said I think the Lions are probably going to be picking the top two. And I still think that. But, of course, they, they want to win this game. And the same goes for the Panthers, but out McCaffrey now who got hurt. Terrible weekend last week. So many people got injured. They're playing the Chargers. Uh, Really unfortunate that the Chargers medical team screwed up so badly and punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung when giving him an injection for his broken ribs. So I'm expecting Herbert to play again, and he looked really good last week. So I, I think I would favor the Chargers in that game. And, of course, I'm going to roll with Kyla Murray and the Cardinals taking on the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I think for the Lions offense, a huge add is having Kenny Galladay back and healthy for the squad. I think that'll do wonders for Matt Stafford, do wonders for spreading the ball around. At the same time, though, if you fall to 0-3 as the Lions, you really got to start looking into what are we going to do for the future of this team because right now we are not a contender like we had hoped would be. we would be if healthy. So now you're looking at instead of trying to add more weapons to help Matt Stafford or trying to add more weapons to this defense, I think you're kind of looking at the idea of, hey, we got to start thinking about quarterbacks for the future and potentially moving on from Matt Stafford, getting as much compensation as we can for him and looking to really establish ourselves for the future. Yes, you have some young talent still around you, and I don't think Matt Stafford is done. But I think if you're firing your coach, which will likely happen if Patricia struggles this year, and you still don't have this contending window yet, then I think it's time that you blow it up and you move on. And while I think Matt Stafford was completely underappreciated for his Detroit era, almost, I think it's really time that you kind of start looking into the Trey Lances, the Justin Fields, and other weapons, and you really start to say, okay, yes, we still think Stafford has it. Yes, we hate how the situation played out, but it's time to really focus on going forward and not just trying to create with something that we failed to do for so many years. Look at terms of the draft, 
Michael, if I said I'll give you the option to pick to pick place a bet, you could either place a bet that the Jets or Lions get the number one pick, or you could take the field. Which which area? Which way are you lean in there? I'll take the field still. I think okay. I think there's still just a lot of football left to be played. I think both Detroit offers a lot of upside on the offense side of the ball, where I think they're going to ex- have enough weeks where they explode and really take advantage. And then for the Jets. They often, you know, kind of struggle early and then they put together a few wins midseason and really kind of play themselves out of that first pick range. So I'm expecting both teams to kind of have similar situations where they struggle early and win a few games and get themselves out of that spot. But I think both of these teams are definitely solid bets if you're trying to pick out who's going to be the number one pick. I think both these teams definitely have that chance. If I were to pick between the two, I'd probably say the Jets have the best odds. Even though I'm a Darnold fan, there's just not much help going on with the receivers and this defense, and it has just been ugly week after week. You know, the Panthers, they might go on a really bad losing streak here at McCaffrey, and then they might end up just not bringing him back. So you got to keep an eye on them to see if they're – they might be at the top of the draft. Uh, the Texans, I think, ultimately they'll win some games, so they won't they won't be at the top of the draft. Uh, the Eagles – you know, you would think they were talented enough to win some games, but I guess it's the NFL, and like the movie was, says, any given Sunday, Michael, anybody could win. Yeah, and if you're the Texans, you definitely don't want to be near the top of the draft because you've given away your picks for Laramie Tunsil, so that goes to the Dolphins. And, you know, if you're the Dolphins, you're saying, let's go Steelers, let's go Vikings next week, and let's just keep seeing these Texans lose and lose, but... Yeah, the Texans have no draft capital to gain from a bad season, so they need to really bounce back here this week and create some victories for the squad going forward or else they are in a world of hurt for their future. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I, think, I think that's more than a fair statement. Uh, all eyes are going to be, of course, on the, the big Sunday Night Football game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. And it's a rematch of a big game last year. So got to keep an eye on that. Um, Is there a team right now you think is the best in the NFL? Like hands down, doing they're better than anybody else? Right now, from what I've seen from the Seahawks and the Chiefs, I'm still all in on those two teams. The Chiefs struggled a bit against the Chargers, so their stock has dropped a little bit, whereas the Seahawks just continue to look dominant. However – I think when it comes down to it, both these teams are still very good. So, therefore, I'm probably going with the Chiefs just because I think Mahomes is the, the greatest player in football right now, both at the QB position and just any position in general. I think he just has nonstop talent and weapons all around him to succeed. But the Seahawks are looking very good. Russell Wilson is coming for that MVP trophy. DK Metcalf looks in for a huge season. You still have Tyler Lockett on this offense, and you have guys like Chris Carson in the backfield. Seattle has a very good offense, which has been known, and now their defense is really coming together with Jamal Adams really leading the unit with Bobby Wagner. So the Seahawks, I think, have taken advantage of the playoff window by going and getting Jamal Adams. And now I think they're all in on, hey, we've proven ourselves now. Let's keep it going. Let's let's try to find ourselves playing in February and holding up the Lombardi when this is all said and done. Of course, that's the goal for every team. 
and they, they look they look good so far. And the 49ers, I don't think, are going to be a playoff team. So that that bear that bolds well in the Seahawks uh, favor there. But I don't know. I think the Seahawks are kind of just cursed now under the uh, the Pete Carroll window. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to get it done again. But I like I like what I see from the Packers so far. And the AFC, I really like what I'm seeing from the Steelers. Two old, old, older, gritty quarterbacks there leading the way with Rodgers and Roethlisberger. Of course, next Monday you'll be giving us your rookies of the week. But going into the weekend here, what rookies are you you're looking to keep an eye on? I think the biggest one is Justin Herbert, and you want to see if he continues to succeed at the quarterback position, leading this Chargers offense going against the Carolina defense. There's definitely opportunities to succeed. This is a young defense that doesn't have a great cast overall, still needs a lot of pieces to be added. So if you're Justin Herbert, you could be in for a big week if you take advantage of the opportunity. And he had a great week against the Chiefs defense, which I think is underrated in regards to how they rank as a defense as a whole. So if you're Justin Herbert, you know, you have plenty of weapons around you. Now it's time to take advantage and really – keep this starter job. So Nick, I wanted to ask you a question with the off season and how weird everything has been. Do you think that hot seats are a little cooler for both the college football and the NFC and, and the NFL? Yeah, I think, I think everything going on with the pandemic is definitely going to help coaches uh, keep their jobs. They're going to say, Oh, we didn't have a preseason. And then this guy got hurt because they didn't get to play or we didn't have a summer camp and we were unable to, to get everybody in game shape. So our, you know, look at college football. It's like, oh, we didn't know we were going to play until September 25th. And we had a, five weeks to get ready and we were not in football shape. So there's going to be a lot less firings this year. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, of course, we'll still see Black Monday. There'll be two or three firings, but uh it's not going to be like a massacre as we as we've seen as we've seen in years past, uh, especially at the college level. I don't think there's going to be much unless Deion Sanders is does such a great job, and then he ends up getting a a big time school job and to replace him. But we didn't even talk about that prime time now. The coach college football, Michael. Yeah, and it's very interesting. He's bringing in a lot of NFL alum to be assistant coaches. I mean, that's the way you appeal to recruits. If you're saying, "Hey, look." We understand what it's like to get to the NFL. We've done it. We've succeeded at the NFL level. If you come here, we're going to find a way to get you at that level to not only have the opportunity to play there, but succeed at that next level. And we're giving you NFL training week in, week out. A lot of recruits are saying, hey, this is my best chance to get to Sundays. Yes, it's Jackson State, so I think you're missing out on some of the five-star recruits, four-stars, three-stars even. But – if you're a two-star and you're looking at, you know, whether you want to go to a G5 school or you want to go play for Deion Sanders, get NFL training from Terrell Owens, guys like that, right. it's definitely enticing. And I think they're going to have a surprisingly good recruiting class as compared to other programs that are around their level of prestige. And I don't know, I don't know what your your high school college, high school football rankings are, but uh Dion offered his son Shadir Sanders a scholarship, and he's one of the top-rated cl- quarterbacks in the 2021 class. I think he's uh, the 216th prospect overall in the class, according to 24/7 Sports. Uh, what do you, What do you think about about his game? 
Uh, yeah, I haven't watched much film on the guy, but <laughs> as far as I knew, he was committed to Alabama. So that's going to be a very interesting recruiting battle. Alabama versus Jackson State. Obviously, two powerhouses of the same prestige, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. You right. know, some guys would love the opportunity to play for their dad. Some guys really kind of want to go do their own thing and really establish their own name. And whichever he decides is, is best for him, I mean, I'll trust his decision. Yeah. It, I, it's I, definitely I, cool to see, but. And speaking you know. of coaching staffs, like I really like the way Arizona State's building because they have a really great staff led by Herm Edwards and Antonio Pierce. And I think, you know, if they start winning some games, that's going to appeal appeal to a lot of people and they could uh, definitely be a team to reckon with moving forward. Yeah, and there's been a lot of former players that we've seen come into coaching. Ed Reed is now coaching the secondary at Miami. I think we could see where a lot of these players kind of start to come in as coaches more and more often because of the appeal that it offers. And if you're uh, Deion Sanders, there were rumors that he would be in the running for Florida State's head coaching position, and I don't know how legit they were. And as you see, I mean, the drop-off from Florida State to Jackson State is a pretty big one. But at the same time, if, if Florida State for some reason finds themselves struggling and they see Deion Sanders having these great seasons at Jackson State – it's going to be tough for them to say, no, we're not bringing in primetime because if you're primetime, you're going to be bringing in great recruits because he not only has now proven himself as a head coach, he has the NFL experience and he has a certain charisma and character that is really going to appeal to athletes because he was an athlete himself. He was a confident one, a very cocky one, and it was a very warranted cocky that I think you know, kind of resonates with people. It's not like you're just talking and you have nothing to back it up. Primetime backed it up every Sunday. So when you get to that next level, I think it it's really an appeal to the kids and you're really saying, hey, you know, I was cocky as a player. Like, if you want to have that swagger and confidence, I'm fine with that. I just want to make sure that you're playing your best every Saturday. Yeah, I mean, look look what Lane Kiffin did. I mean, he went – he did the Florida Atlantic. They dominated – now he's back. He's back in the SEC with University of, Miss, of Mississippi. So obviously, if, if you have success in these lower programs, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead to a big job, especially if you have a name like Deion Sanders or Lane Kiffin. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective. Go to LandryFootball.com today from high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft to free agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes, LandryFootball.com, just starts for all things football. That's going to do it for this episode of Destination Draft Day. For Michael Rockman, I'm Nick Durst, and enjoy the weekend of football. Take care, guys.